0: The Evening Standard Rugby Podcast with Lawrence Delalio. Supported by Fuller's London Pride. Official beer at of Premiership Rugby. Support with Pride.
1: Hello, I'm Lawrence Delania. Welcome to the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, supported by Fuller's London Pride. As always, I'm joined by the lovely Sarah in her pink.
3: It's a bit neon, isn't it, today? I, I, like, I was running out of ideas. don't usually wear neon. I feel like I'm going back to
1: the 80s. It looks lovely. And from the Evening Standard, uh, it's Steve Cording. Hi, Steve.
2: Hi, Lawrence. Unfortunately, I'm in grey, aren't I? So I I look completely uh, the wrong color choice.
3: (laughs) Um, And our guest this week is Sail Sharks Fly Half, Rob DePria. Hey, Rob.
4: Hey, guys. Thanks so much for having me. I'm in grey too, matching the Manchester weather at the moment.
3: (laughs) Is it bad up there as well? Is it?
2: Yeah. It stayed dry for the game yesterday, which is good, but it was raining the whole morning. Well, Lawrence, don't believe this, but I was actually born in Manchester and I do know that it rains a lot. Way more than Durban, South Africa. (laughs)
3: <laughs> yes, that's something you had to get used to. <laughs> um, okay, Jess, we're going to get on to the weekend's action in a little bit. But first of all, let's um, just have a quick check-in with what you've been up to this week. Um, Steve, you're in a different setting this week. Are you not in your office?
2: Yes, I've come back to the place that I grew up, down in Devon, Kingsbridge. I uh, have to give a big shout-out to the Welcome Stranger, where we all nine of us went for a Sunday roast yesterday. So, uh, nice to get away for half-term and, uh, yeah, come see my parents. Kids. And Rob,
3: not the result you wanted against Quinns at the weekend, and we will come on to that a little bit later. we are on a day off now. So what does a day off for Rob look like? What you do? What you get to?
4: I've got a six-month-old now, so that keeps me busy. And then we'll take the dog out for a walk myself and my wife when the weather permits. Nice. Are
3: you hands-on? Are you changing nappies? Are you up early yeah, changed, in the morning? I change
4: nappies. I don't wake up at night. My wife does that. She's brilliant with that, to be fair. But I try and be as, as hands-on as possible. Obviously, it's quite tough being away most of the day, but my wife's a champ.
3: Good, that's the right thing to say, rather than <laughs> you. Um, Lawrence, what have you been up to since oh, well, last week? Just,
4: just listening
1: to Rob there, reminding me of when my wife used to say. Are we good for a walk today? I'd say, yeah, just have my face smashed in. I can barely I can barely walk. I think, <laughs> I going for a dog walk's a really good idea. Darling, yeah. <laughs> um, I was at London Irish on Friday night, uh, cracking little stadium. And actually a very good game against Gloucester, despite the rain. And then I came up to Manchester, rail strikes on Saturday. I don't think the train drivers have worked out that no one's listening at the moment because there's so much chaos going on in this country that they can't cut across any news at the minute. But uh, I got up to Manchester, uh, stayed the night and yeah, watched the game. It was great to be back at the AJ Bell. Thought I'd go up and see Sale win, but we'll talk about that later. We will,
3: we will. So we you put some questions to Rob first?
0: Don't forget, you can also watch the full extended video podcast at londonpridebeer.co.uk. Please drink responsibly.
1: Rob, obviously Quinn's brought your winning run to an end. I think it's been Widely documented. It was a great start to the season. It definitely feels like there's something a little bit different going on up at Sale. Alex has been there a little while. He would have made a few tweaks and changes. You've um, waved goodbye to a few South African friends, uh, no Faftak Merck now. And you've always been very consistent, good defence, good, you know, good solid work rate, all the things that we know about. But it does seem to be something a little bit different going on there in terms of the way you're
4: playing. What, what does it feel like to you? At the moment, I think the big thing was just getting the balance right. I think. A year or two ago, probably a lot more kicking, a lot more set piece, very forward orientated game. I think at the moment, we just got the balance right between running, kicking and passing and, and when to play, when not to play. And I think we've seen in the first five games, I think we got four out of the five were bonus point games. So just kind of our attacks now come to the fore. George has been really good with that. I think he spoke after our Connacht game, that was quite a boring game, not the best game in the world. And he just said, listen, we, we're we demanding a lot of our forwards. We want them to more, want them to scrum, want them to do this but us as backs need to step up a little bit. And I think we've done that to be fair.
1: And I think that winning run has coincided with you playing by half a lot more. Um, I mean, I can say it, but now Faf's gone, you probably get a little bit more ball. <laughs> <as well. laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> less kicking, more ball. <laughs> but um, I just think, you know, it's, it's, it's quite interesting because we were chatting to Austin, which is always a bit of a dangerous thing to do uh, on air yesterday. And he was saying that since you came to sell, you moved around a bit, you played at 13, you played all yeah. over the place. I mean, For any rugby player to be picked in one position, fly half, which is probably the one you actually like playing the most, and staying in that position, is that something that you feel has really helped you a little bit more? I mean, you'll do whatever you can for the
4: team, but playing in one position is good for you, right? Yeah, I think that's ideal. If you can get some continuity in one position, obviously you you feel a lot more comfortable in that position. Um, But like you said, I think whether I'm at 13 or 10 or 12, to me, it doesn't really matter. I just want to be in the team uh, first off and try and do my bit to help. Sarah's got quite a rugby household as well, because
1: obviously, uh, you know, I was just wondering from your perspective. It's the same. I mean, Sarah, is, can you imagine having all these, uh, all these young young boys and girls all playing rugby?
3: No, I've got a daughter and a son, and having the son play rugby with my husband and my father is more than enough for me at home. But <laughs> but growing up in in a in a house full full of rugby players, you, you play with your brothers now, of course. What was what was that like? Was it a bit manic?
4: Not really. I, I, I don't know. Like my brothers are bullies. Uh, um, <laughs> you can see what they do on the field you can imagine what they used to do to me but it was always rugby like my dad played rugby when he when he was younger uh, played for the box and and for the bulls and sharks so I guess it was always kind of meant to be Um it was never forced upon us ever but we just took to it really I think my brothers took to it a bit earlier than I did um, I remember my first memory of playing rugby was, I think I was like six years old, and um, I went on, it was a club game, and I hurt my finger, I went crying off to my mom and said, "Mom, I need an ice cream, can I have an ice cream please? And that was my first kind of memory of rugby, and then didn't play for a year or two, and then my brothers played, and then I got back into it kind of thing, so, but it's always been there.
3: Were you all always very good, or... Kind of were were you? Kind of late bloomers? Were you late developers, or or was it always like, oh, the pre pre brothers come in, they're they're Uh, massive, they're very good. How do how do you work?
4: I'd say more so my brothers and myself. They were standouts in their school years. I was a bit later. Only kind of signed my professional contract late in my last year of school, where they would have signed probably in the second to last year of school. So I was going to go study and hopefully play some university rugby and whatnot. but then a contract came through and then only kind of broke into the senior mix uh, when I was about 23-ish. And then I was like a full, fully fledged kind of senior player. Um, they probably played around like when they were 19, straight out of school, they were playing with the seniors already.
2: Do you guys uh, all stay? Well, I'm, I'm intrigued because obviously you got three sets of brothers at, at sale. When you, when you are together, you're on the team bus or you're eating, do you guys all... Sit together. I mean, twins are hard to keep apart at the best of times. I mean, how how does it work? Or, Or are you forced? Does Alex force you all to sit somewhere different?
4: No, it's not forced, but it is quite like separate. Like everyone does their own thing. I sit with Jono and Sam James and Luke James and we play cards. Dan sits on his own a lot of the time. He's quite recluse, quite quiet. JL will sit in the back and play PlayStation on the bus. So it's very mixed. There's no real cliques, I wouldn't say. Obviously, people do gravitate towards certain people, so the South Africans naturally will gravitate, but I wouldn't say it's an issue at all. Come on, Rob,
1: if you want to have a real bitch about someone, you get all the the Africans on the table and you have a little bitch about each other, don't you? No,
4: we don't. Honestly, we don't. We... We bitch and moan at each other, to be fair. Uh, (laughs) We play FIFA and we give each other a lot of stick when whoever loses. There's Byron McGuigan, who's probably the most mildly out of everyone.
1: We know you've got, there's obviously quite a big South African contingent playing professional rugby all over the world, um, which is not surprising. But quite a few of you have ended up at sale. I mean, South Africans obviously love the sun. I mean, why have you all ended up in Manchester?
4: I think Fuff was the main recruiter, Fuff and Jonna. So they were the first to kind of come and they would put people's names forward. I think Dimes was quite active in in asking them who they think would fit in. But we definitely didn't come for the weather. Definitely not. Look, financial stability is a big thing too. Uh, We all know that the prem pays a lot more. than Well, not now so much. I think in South Africa, the money's really good too. So I think it's evened out. But back in the day or... A couple of years ago, the prem was very high paying compared to South Africa, so that was a, a driver in, in a lot of the decision making. I'd, I'd say, and possibly, hopefully, getting a passport in two years, which is quite big for my family, for my for my little kid. That hopefully we have that option to stay should we want to.
1: Rob, you've got you just quickly. Just we we noticed, obviously, everyone has that. There's a couple of South African teams joining the European Cup, um, and you know, pretty soon. Uh, be uh, what, what do you think they'll bring to? Uh, uh, you know to the competition we obviously see it in the urc a little bit more but uh other than a bit more banter out on the field for uh for the likes of yourselves and and, and the rest of
4: us yeah i think it makes it interesting one we get to travel to south africa and and that's quite cool i think um something different something new i think You've got, obviously, Stormers who play this unbelievable style of rugby. You get Sharks and Bulls who are probably quite more forward-based. I mean, if you look at their packs, they've got outstanding packs. Um, They're just going to add to the mix with their competitiveness. It's going to make it even more competitive. I think a lot of these French teams with their big, big, big packs, it'll be interesting to see how a team like Sharks goes against them with their massive pack too. So it is going to be interesting. Um, I was hoping to have one of them in our pool so we could travel back to SA, which would have been good, but it didn't end up that way.
0: The Evening Standard Rugby Podcast with Lawrence Delalio, supported by Fuller's London Pride, official beer of Premiership Rugby.
3: Okay, so listen, we're going to talk about the weekend's rugby now. Only four games to cover this weekend. Um, for reasons that we all know about, of course. Uh, but they were cracking games. So, Lawrence, let's start on Friday night. London Irish, they hosted Gloucester. The Exiles were 18-12 up, I think, at half-time. But then Gloucester came back in the second half and it was that incredible drop goal by Adam Hastings which sealed their fate. Um, You just said you are at the game. Yeah, what did yeah. you make of it?
1: Well, Gloucester are a work in progress. I think they'll, they'd, they'd always say that. London Irish, for weird reasons, you know, worcester Was situation, uh, maybe a bye week, they're, they're a bit distorted in terms of their table position. I, I mean, when you play London Irish, you're never quite sure that you can put them away. They've got this ability to score so many points so quickly. Unfortunately, they've got the ability to concede a lot of points as well at the moment. They're a very exciting team to watch, but if you're a fan, you come there and you think to yourself, well, we can score, you know, Hassel Collins, Loader, great players playing in, in top form at the moment. But they do seem to concede a bit too easily and gloucester have got this habit of making games go down to the wire at the moment they obviously um, you know managed to find a way to beat bristol they held on to beat bath they they lost against saracens but the games are just so exciting and we didn't know what was going to happen until, as you said, that Adams Hastings drop goal. I mean, obviously, I've I've, I've actually dropped a goal in in Premiership rugby, but <laughs> I mean, against Leeds because I, I broke my rib and Matt Dawson passed me the ball and I had no other option and then I had to go hobbling off. But uh, did it
3: go over?
1: It went over, but it was from about ten yards. It wasn't from. Uh, oh,
3: okay, quite
1: clever then. No, no I wasn't that good, but it was an incredible, incredible drop goal. Um, and I mean, London Irish had a chance to win it at the death. Tom Pearson nearly set up, uh, uh, I think it was Hassel Collins for the winning try but Gloucester probably deserved to win with that drop goal and, and just a little bit more forward power so I think they're uh, they're in a good place at the moment Gloucester it be interesting to see uh, how they go this season
3: and see if there was finally some good news at the wreck Bath managed their first win of the season beating Northampton Saints 27 points to 14 after six winless weeks, I can't imagine the relief this morning in Bath. The players and the fans must be delighted.
2: It must be complete. I mean, the thing is, what are they? we've had three prime ministers since they last won <laughs> one game. Just to be topical. but Last season obviously it took them 10 to get their first win this season. They've done it finally in seven. And I think the news as well that the wreck... Can now go ahead and be redeveloped, and you you suddenly start to see some shoots there for some some promise going forward. And and again, I mean, they put in a complete eighty-minute performance, didn't they? And I think that's what Johan you know, van Ground said afterwards. That's what had been missing. They just needed to play from beginning to end, and they're, they're starting to get those combinations. I think now in various areas. I mean, and Ollie Lawrence was brilliant again. You know, linking with Cam Redpath was really good. Tom Dunn, is he's scored, what, five tries now and he's he's, he's just leading again, standing in as captain, doing really, really well. But I think for Saints, you look at their red zone efficiency, and I know that's what Phil Dowson was bemoaning at the end of the game. They were in there twice in the first half, didn't convert them. um, And I think that's been their Achilles heel, but I can certainly see Bath now turning that corner and starting to really, really put their foot down. they got some good players to come back as well. They were out injured as well. So that's 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 all positive for them.
3: Rob, Saracens, they took a trip to, to Sandy Park to face um, the Chiefs. They've not actually won there for six years, which is crazy. Uh, frustrating first half for Saris, but it's just the way they are, Rob, isn't it? They just, they just never quite know when they're beaten. And, you know, they showed a lot of grit, a lot of determination, like they always do.
4: Yeah, I think that team's been together for ages now, and they just know how to win. Uh, they know how to come up with results from from nowhere. I think they fall back onto their kind of game model that they've been doing for the last ten years. They've added to that. They've also started to play some really good attacking rugby. And then Alex Good, I mean, the guy's unfathomable. He's like red wine; he just gets better and better.
3: There's something quite romantic about him getting that kick over Lawrence, was not there? Yeah, at the end?
1: yeah, it was. But it, but you look at Exeter, and and the game again went to the last play the game virtually and, and you've got these kind of momentum swings emotionally you know we saw Tony Ray on the sideline I mean they'd done everything extra and then all they had to do was win their own scrumble. and yeah. Sam Simmons is desperately trying to get it out the, from under his feet and get it away and then Saracen's turned it over and then won the penalty and it's a tough way to lose but then again to won the opening game of the season with a try in the last minute against Leicester you know sometimes you get those results that go your way and other times you don't Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions.
0: The Evening Standard Rugby Podcast with Lawrence Delalio, supported by Fuller's London Pride, official beer of Premiership Rugby,
3: Okay, on to Sunday's game then. A very physical match between Taylor and Harlequins. Marcus Smith, he celebrated his 100th Premiership appearance by assisting Quinn to their first win in the Asia Bell since April 2015. I know you don't want to hear that, Rob, but I had to <laughs> put it out there anyway. What conversations were, were taking place in the changing room after the game? Were there frustrations? Were there just a disappointment? What was an overriding emotion?
4: Yeah, I think a, a bit of everything. Frustration, disappointment. I think if you look at our last five games leading up to this, it was quite an uncharacteristic game. In terms of our red zone efficiency, it wasn't great. Um, we spilled a lot of ball offloads probably that we didn't need to do. And then just let them back in the game with silly penalties, really. And Marcus was brilliant. Controlled the game really well. Um, and then kicked all his kicks on turnover, pinned us back. Um, and that's what Quins do. Quins are so good on turnover attack. And again, Danny Kerr, another guy who's playing some brilliant rugby also. Yeah, Rob, I mean, it's been the the, the standards that
1: you've set. And uh, I sort of spoke to Alex after the game and he said that, just the game yesterday was nowhere near that. I mean, fifteen handling errors, fifteen penalties—that's thirty mistakes—and then you add that your line out and scrum was was under pressure as well. I mean, it's just it's just a bad day at the office, really, wasn't it for for you guys? And you you got to look at it in the context that if you play six six or seven games, you are going to have one of those, aren't you?
4: Yeah, I guess so. And I, I think I said to John afterwards, I like go, I said. If you had asked me six games in, I'll give you five wins from six. Would you take it? 100. percent, I take that. So it's still a great start to the season, and and this is just, just a, like a little blip on our on our journey, really.
1: A question I wanted to ask you, and we, and, and please feel free to sort of answer it in the way that you want to. But when you've got a player as good as Manu in your team. I know that the, the stats sort of pushed the, the game in a certain direction, but you'd want to get him into the game as early as possible. I mean, I think about the games, that, like the international games, that he scored after 34 seconds against the All Blacks in the, in the semi-final. You know, if he was in my team, I'd be calling one of the first lineouts straight to him off the top, just if nothing else, just to have a little go at Marcus Smith. When he came off the field yesterday, it's great that he's fit. It's great that he's playing for long periods of time. And there's always a bit of nervousness around that. But I think he touched the ball about five times and or three times and and didn't really get that impact. Are you conscious that you've got a player like him outside you? And I don't know. I mean, I, I'd be calling at least the first couple of lineouts to
4: him. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, if you've got a guy like Manu, use him. I mean, if you look at Quinns, they've got a guy like Andre and they use him. And you're right. Like if he gets those early touches, he's unstoppable, especially if they're good touches.
1: I suppose the answer is you just need your fools to win the line out, though, I suppose. That <laughs> <be saying. laughs> that's, not my, that's not my department. I don't know. It's just As you say, sometimes you've got to hold your hand up. I mean, Quinn's came up with a couple of pretty good plays, didn't they? And they, when every time they got into your 22, they seemed to come away with something.
4: And that's the thing. Every time you get in there, you want to come away with either three, five or seven. And that's what we couldn't do yesterday. We had two very big chances, and I think I threw one strand to touch. And those could have swung the game. But physically, I think Quinns were up for it. Um, I think they were challenged last week based on their performance against Leicester. So they were up for the game. And we certainly didn't doubt the fact that they would come up and be up for it too. So,
3: Yeah, Lawrence, you kind of felt like they, they really needed that, Quinns, especially after last week. Well, I just
1: think, you know, they were, they were played off the part last week at the breakdown particularly. And, and interestingly, they probably... Their young flankers, Jack Kenningham and uh, and Will Evans, probably had a good, hard look at themselves, probably feeling a bit miserable for most of the week. And then they they did pretty much the same job at, uh, at the weekend. I think all the penalties that Sale gave away, nearly all of them were at the breakdown. So it's fascinating. When you play one of the teams at the top, and Sale will be very much having these conversations this week because they go to Saracens next week. You know, when you get beaten this in, in the Premiership, you expect a reaction the following week. It doesn't always work, but you expect a reaction. And I think that's what you got from Quinn's I think if you look to the way that their type five tackled yesterday, that was probably, I mean, Marcus Smith and Danny Kerr and those guys get the headlines, that always happens. But the Joe Marlis, the type five, the work rate of the type five in in terms of when Sale did break through, that's where you really see the difference. And I'm sure Sale will have some honest conversations tomorrow and, um, you know, maybe with a few less mistakes, they'll be able to put Saracens under some serious pressure.
3: Okay, shall we decide who um, the outstanding player of the weekend was then?
0: Outstanding supported by Fuller's London Pride.
3: Steve, let's go to you first. Who are you going
2: for? Well, he was only on the pitch for 20 minutes, but we've already spoken about him, and I have to say he showed a massive pair of kahunas to kick that. His first kick of the season. He actually used to write a column for the Evening Standard as well, so I'm slightly biased. You wrote the
1: the column for him, Steve, to be honest.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, he, he actually, yeah, so he actually, it was his 338th appearance, I think, so he's equaled uh, the record for Saracens, but I'm going to give it to Alex Good.
3: It's usually me that does the romantic stuff like that. Not you, but I'll give it
2: to you. I, I, he held his nerve superbly. I mean, and I know there's this whole, please respect the kicker, don't boo, la-di-da-di-da. But I, for me, you know, it, it's the passion, it's the emotion of the game. If the fans want to show how they feel, then fine. But he held his nerve together and he kicked the goal. So fair play to him.
3: Okay, Rob, who
2: are you going for? I was on the receiving end uh, of him, so I'd say Marcus Smith. And
3: Lawrence?
2: Yeah, I mean,
1: it's easy to go for one of the kickers. I mean, uh, Adam Hastings, amazing drop goal. I mean, that's incredible, isn't it, what he did? Alex it's good. But actually, I think we've got to mark the fact that Bath have won their first game. And it's a desperately demoralising place when you're losing every single week. And I think one player that stood out heads and shoulders for, for, for the whole season has been Tom Dunn. actually. Uh, their hooker. He's again on the score sheet. I think he epitomizes everything that's good about Bath. So, Tom Dunn is my outstanding player of the week.
3: Okay, well, I was going to say Alice Good, and then I was going to say Marcus Smith. So I'm going to, have to choose another one now. So I'm going to go. Um, I'm going to go Itoje, just because you know he returning from shoulder injury. I think he deserves a lot of credit for the for the scrum dominance. 19 tackles, I think, he made in total during the game. So I'm just going to be different, basically, because you've nicked mine. Um, so that's why I'm standing. What's
2: a, Rob? What's the longest drop goal you've ever kicked? At sea level. <laughs>
4: <laughs> uh, I've never hit one in game nowhere near as long. I reckon I'd do that 10 times out of 10. I won't kick it, honestly. I think if he had to do it 10 times out of 10, he probably wouldn't get it again. It's a massive kick that... and It didn't you... look great, but it went over. Hey, the score sheet says three.
3: Doesn't have to be pretty, Steve. Um, right, let's take a look ahead to next weekend then. Make a few predictions. Uh, Rob, Friday night, Exeter Chiefs. They're going to be heading up the M5 to Gloucester. How are you calling it?
4: Exeter. I think Exeter will we'll get a reaction from them.
3: Okay, Lawrence, Quinns, they're going to be welcoming Neighbours London Irish on Saturday afternoon.
4: I think a big
1: performance against Sale. That was such a big game for them. I think to be able to come off the back of that, they won it, they're back playing well. I think Alex Dombrandt is probably likely to start Against Irish on Saturday, I think he gives them a, a, a different dynamic. To he allows the rest of the back row to function a, a little bit better. That's no disrespect to Archie White. Irish dangerous, very dangerous side. But I do feel that when you go away for international rugby for a few weeks, you know mm-hmm. you really want to send off your international players and not have that kind of losing feeling hanging over the club. So I always found these games really important. You know, if you're an international player, if you've lost your last club game, it sort of sits badly in your mind. You know, you can't put it behind you, and equally. When the internationals go away, you don't want that hanging over you. So I think it's it's a big, big Weekend of club rugby, and I think Quinns will
2: probably just have enough.
3: Score prediction, 60 to all. Right, uh, (laughs) let's go. Steve, Northampton Saints, they're going to host some Bristol Bears.
2: Yeah, Northampton need a win, don't they? I mean, they've now played 7-1-3, lost four. So, um, yeah, they've got to start capitalising on those opportunities. I think that they get to score the points. Bristol not played this week. I'm going to go Northampton on that one.
3: Okay. And Lawrence, I'm not going to ask you, Rob. Uh, Lawrence, two teams at the top of the table. Uh, they're going to be battling it out. Sale, uh, Saracens at the Stonex. It should be good. Who are you going
1: for? Yeah, I mean, uh, everything tells you the way Saracens are playing. It's Saracens, but, you know, and it's a tough place to play. I don't know what's... But you've got Alex Anderson that, you know, obviously knows the club inside out. He'll always have a few little tricks up his sleeve. The reaction, you know, I've been in many room where we've lost a game and, you know, you take that personally, collectively, you go and regroup. And I think you've just got to have a very clear and understanding of the way you want to play against Saracens. If you try and go there with a bit of mixed things in your head, Saracens are playing differently as well. But uh, yeah, there's no reason why the team that we don't expect to win can go and win. So I might just come up with a Sale and, and be controversial. No one would have given Harlequins a, a hope of, of winning up at AJ Bell and they and they did it. So why can't Sale go down there and win?
3: Well, quick question. Because Saracens are playing, they are playing a different way or they're experimenting a different way this season. It seems to be working for them for the most part. So, or for all the parts because they haven't lost a game yet. But um, in terms of your approach, will your approach be different playing them this season than seasons gone by?
4: I wouldn't say we changed too much. It's... A lot, a lot of the focus is on ourselves and what we can impose on a team. I wouldn't say we changed too much according to what they've been doing this season, as opposed to last. Uh, we'd probably just be fielding a little less contestable kicks. It's interesting because you, you've definitely added a few layers onto your attacking game this
1: year. And there was a lot of mistakes yesterday, but that's because you were probably trying to force the offload. Whereas in, in seasons gone by, we wouldn't have seen Sale do that. They would have kicked the ball. They would have maybe just hit it up. So You know, Saracens, even though they've won every game, they could have easily... They they made some mistakes early on in some games. They could have easily been punished, particularly against Gloucester. And maybe I I just felt yesterday, had you started that game and some of those offloads had stuck, it could have easily been a very different score. So there's generally more attack-minded this this season, isn't it? Right across the board. Yeah, that's funny. I
2: was going to say, sorry, Lawrence mentioned it already as well. The other thing is that with the international players going, you're losing six players, is it? I mean, how does that affect... Your, your mindset going into these games? Because I guess in a way now, for over the next four weeks, we've got games that the results will probably be not what we expected because some of the key players are missing. I guess so. You could say the same for Saris. They'll lose a lot. And um, Tobin Flaherty always says this is the best time of the season
4: for him because this is when he gets to play. Like, because... Everyone's out. All the big dogs are gone. Uh, <laughs> I think if you look at what we lose and what we kind of, the people who come in for them, I wouldn't say it's much of a muchness, but I mean, it's, we don't, I don't think we lose a lot in terms of personnel. So uh, people get now, people will get some opportunity, which is always exciting and people will try and put their hands up. And this is a big time for the club to kind of build that experience.
3: Okay. Uh, Rob, we're going to let you go in a minute, but um, you're going to get tackled now by Lawrence Delalio.
0: Tackled. <laughs> Supported by Fuller's London Pride.
1: Yeah, Rob, thank you for joining us. Some quick fire questions, just so our listeners can get a real good understanding of uh, what's going on. What's your full name? Robert James Dupre. James, nothing terribly embarrassing about that. That's good. (laughs) Favourite takeaway? Pizza. And do you have a celebrity crush? Scarlett Johansson. Good crush. (laughs) Last movie you watched? Uh, Gold with Matthew McConaughey. And what do you have um, the day after a game for breakfast? Full
4: English? I do love a full English, but this morning I had banana banana bread. Good man. Nickname? Rob or Bob.
1: <laughs> oh, Perfect. Uh, what's the
4: best advice you've been given, would you say? It doesn't have to be rugby-wise, but it normally is. It was, it was around my first kind of quick five questions, but it's a little bit of a story. It was like my first game kind of in the senior mix, and then our kicking coaches kind of came in over and said, do the basics really well. Anything on top of that is a bonus so always
1: kind with me. good good
4: advice um who
1: is the most famous person would you say in your phone address book probably Sia Khaleesi he's transcended the game at the minute hasn't he he has indeed um maybe maybe just drop him a text any danger of more than one cap please <laughs> <laughs> get, get me off the, get me off the one cap yeah that would be good um who would play you in a film of your life I think Owen Wilson good choice um, who's the funniest person you know, or the funniest person in the in the sale dressing room? Sam James. Are you a dog or a cat person? Dog. And when you have to get up and sing, as they love a little sing song in Manchester, um, what's your
4: karaoke song?
1: Oh. You're cringing now because you know that you've no. obviously delivered a couple of bad ones. Have you?
4: No, <laughs> no, 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 Matt. I forget the name. Let me just check on my Spotify. Sorry. No, <laughs> no, no, no.
1: That's all right. I mean, You <laughs> forgot the name. What chance on the words?
4: <laughs> no. It's, uh, what is that song? Is it uh, something rap? Something rap? Uh,
3: Bohemian Rhapsody. No,
4: it's not that. Rapper's Paradise. Or oh, Gangster's Rapper's Paradise or whatever. Rapper's Delight. Rapper's Delight. That's the one. Sorry.
3: That's a oh, good right. choice,
1: Sam. As far our music lady. She knows, <laughs> yeah, knows them all. I love it. Love um, uh, what's your favourite TV show? Friends. And which superhero would you most like to be? Batman. Ideal dinner party guest? Sam James.
4: A good man, Sam James.
1: Who would you say is uh, your best rugby player of all time or your sporting idol rugby player growing up?
4: I've got two, Dan Carter and Johnny Wilkinson. I think they neck and neck. Fantastic. And what is
1: your proudest premiership moment so far in your time here in the UK? Probably my 50th cap hitting the winner against Wasps. What a lovely way to finish. Well done. Yeah, they were good answers,
3: Rob. Good answers. I do that.
1: Yeah, Rob, thank you for being tackled and for being our guest on this podcast. Uh, it's been a real pleasure to chat to you. All the very best uh, against Saracens. See if you can make our prediction be the right one because at the moment what we tend to do is our guest tends to be from the losing team. So we really want our get <laughs> <from> the losing <laughs> team at the moment. Uh, that would be fantastic. But good luck with that match and for the rest of the season. Well, that's all for this episode of the Rugby Podcast uh, supported by Fuller's London Pride. Don't forget you can watch the full extended video podcast of today's episode at londonpridebeer.co.uk.
3: Yes, and if you've enjoyed listening, please make sure you're following us so you don't miss out on any future episodes. We'll be back next week, but for now, from Lawrence, Steve, and myself. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.
0: The Evening Standard Rugby Podcast with Lawrence Delalio, supported by Fuller's London Pride. Official beer of Premiership Rugby. Support with Pride.
1: Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions.